Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Today's adventure takes us to Florida. We're going to talk to theater kid turned overall entertainment lover, Angela Lanza. She's been marketing concerts and events for over 10 years. She's currently the director of event marketing over two Tampa venues. Please welcome director of event marketing at Vinix Sports Group, Angela Lanza. How are you doing? Good. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you for the time today. Of course. Uh, let, let's jump right in. Tell us, what, what, is, what is Vinix Sports Group? So Vinix Sports Group is a team down here in Tampa, Florida. Essentially, um, everything Tampa Bay Lightning, Amelie Arena, Yingling Center, USF Athletics is involved in that a little bit. We also have the oh, Identity wow. Tampa Bay, which is a media piece to it. Just a lot of different entities to this umbrella company, if you will. And so, so your role in this group is? I am the Director of Event Marketing for Amelie Arena and Yingling Center. So you're and you're kind of doing the the event side there. You do this little, little bit of the sports stuff too, or how does it go? So most of our sports stuff for the Tampa Bay Lightning comes through another marketing arm um, within Vinick Sports Group. However, the only thing sports related we do touch is um, obviously WWE, any sure. UFC fights coming in, all of the good sure. stuff like that, um, as well as when the Toronto Raptors came into town over the pandemic um, that was assigned to the events team. I do want to ask about that because that was a pretty <laughs> unique situation. So I, we're going to circle back to that. But but first, talk to me about Amelie Arena uh, for folks who aren't familiar. Uh, first of all, tell us the challenge of marketing arena, an arena that everybody has trouble pronouncing the name of. Oh, gosh. Well, <laughs> first, when Amelie Oil, um, which is a family-owned local oil company in town, um, decided to do the naming rights of the building, um, a lot of people mispronounced it. We still get people mispronouncing it. Um, and not only that, but we obviously, a long time ago, when we first opened the building, we were the Ice Palace. So we also have a lot of Tampanians saying Ice Palace still. But wow, that's a whole still. Story. Uh, still. So what we ended up doing is we kind of put together a little thing. Um, we always say Amelie rhymes with family. So there you have it. It's just that easy, yeah. right? Amelie, like family. That. Just that easy. That's all we go back to, especially when people um, have the question about it. So, but it's been fun. It's great to market all the great shows that come into the area. And that's where they are. Amelie Arena. And you have some little, yeah, like you say, a little hockey team that they they did all right the past couple of years. Just a couple of years, um, two in a row to be exact. Um, we were very wow. fortunate to get back to back Stanley Cup wins. Are your uh, hands a little heavy from all the rings that you're wearing? I cannot confirm or deny, but <laughs> yes, they, <laughs> they definitely. Yeah. I had to pick a different finger, in fact, to just make sure that they were not 
clumped up on one hand. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get that photo eventually that like, you know, Kobe or Phil Jackson, you know, we got <laughs> all the hands filled with championship fingers. You gotta, you gotta size them to the, to the right finger. Exactly. You know, for those of us who live in markets where maybe our hockey team hasn't given us that opportunity yet, what, you know, if you, if you get a championship ring, what do you, what do you do with it? Right. Cause I don't even know what I would, I, it, it's very cool. Like I would love to post it on social. I'd love to show it to some family and friends. And then uh, I'm not sure where in my house I'd put it. Um, I cannot tell you any cool things because mine is just in my house sitting in its <laughs> beautiful case in a closet I will not identify on air. From <laughs> Tampa <laughs> <laughs> decides to like roll up to my house. But um, no, I mean, I... I think I did the responsible thing and then I, I insured it and sold it on eBay. Yeah. I mm. did not, I would not, sell it. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I think it would be really cool to do something fun with it. I just, I guess I haven't gotten to that point yet. So it can be like a little mini Stanley cup. You can like take it on a tour around, uh, yeah. do bar hopping in Ebor, you know, like, like do a little <laughs> tour of the city. That's, I don't know if you want to bring a ring to Ebor, but um, maybe we do. I don't know. So the arena, uh, you know, uh, tell us how old is it? Uh, um, you know, what's it, what's its kind of place in the market? Tell us a little bit about about uh, Emily and, and kind of uh, uh, a little bit of history on it. Yeah. So um, this building has been around. I want to say we are coming up on a 30th anniversary here soon. Um, it is right centrally located in our downtown Tampa area. Right now, all around us is actually a lot of construction. Um, and what we call Water Street Tampa is building up all around us on all sides. What is um, that? Water Street? So Water Street Tampa is um, a development process through um, a company, Mr. Urbanic is involved in, um, where it's essentially building up all around the arena. Um, it's residential. It's retail it's what we call our cafeteria which is a public straight down the street we also have um, hotels all the things going up around us so it's really cool we also have a very beautiful view of the water um, and the channel right here so a lot going on is it kind of creating this district of sorts that's you know gonna embrace the the not only the sports team but be kind of a place that people can go hang before concerts that evening Absolutely. It's definitely becoming a place to live, work and play. That is for sure. So what is what is Tampa's place in, in the in Florida? Right. Because it's a lot bigger of a state than people think it is. So who are who are you competing with? And and, you know, if somebody go to choose between Orlando and Tampa or are you guys how does that work? Um, a lot of times people are choosing between Tampa and Orlando. Obviously, Orlando is more central of the state located um, and then we are on the side here, but we like to kind of say that we're not in competition. It's It shouldn't be an either or, it should be an and. A yeah. lot of times when people are touring, I mean, we have data to show that people aren't driving from Orlando all the way to Tampa just to see an event. I mean, there are some people that have that crossover, but if the show can play both markets, we would love that because there's definitely a lot of people in Tampa. It's building up all around us, as I mentioned. So definitely a lot of people coming to events here. 
Now, I know that you guys, as of this recording, are getting ready to host the, uh, or maybe, you know, the uh, U.S. Gymnastics Championships. Yes. Then a lot of that kind of floats around. A lot of people are talking about that. What's that like been like for you guys? So far, so good. It's been really nice. They've been loading in all week. Um, We just came out of of a very busy weekend, actually, and into loading in for U.S. Gymnastics. And we had a media day today, and we kick off with everything today and tonight. So uh, a lot of competition walking around, but it should be fun. That sounds really awesome. I'm sure it's really cool to just have all those athletes there. Um, Absolutely. They bring a different energy than anything else that we host. So it's a lot of fun to see. You guys, I know, are pretty active there uh, at the uh, the arena, but but let's not forget about the Yingling Center, right? So tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about that venue. So Yingling Center is actually on the campus of the University of South Florida. It used to be called the Sundome. We probably still have people around that call it the Sundome. <laughs> always um, fun, right? Always there, but it's. It's a great venue as well. Um, We took over that facility a few years ago now, I want to say five to seven years ago. And we've really kind of just changed the way that people go and experience events there. Um, A lot of different unique things come through those doors. Obviously, we have USF Athletics involved. Um, and we do volleyball and basketball there, but we also do um, a lot of concerts come through as well as different unique things that we put together. So we are actually just signed an indoor soccer league that will be there, the Tampa Bay Strikers um, in the fall. Wow. So that's kind of new and exciting, groundbreaking, if you will. And um, we also host like different events. We did um an event there a few months ago now um, called Creator Clash, where um, we had actually a boxing event with influencers that was extremely popular. So we definitely want to host them again. So that was like, what, like people like influencers from around the country came in for that? Yeah, they, a lot of YouTubers, a lot of different um, influencers in different spaces pretty much picked up, learned how to box and they put this on for charity, which is really cool. That's very cool. So, you know, with with all that stuff going on, uh, and and I know, you know, very busy schedule, talk to me about what the last couple of years have been like, because obviously, you know, Florida made the news just a little bit during the pandemic for being a little uh, <laughs> aggressive with events. So but yeah. tell me about how that that impacted, you know, you guys and, and, you know, your time over the past couple of years. Well, we didn't really slow down a ton. Obviously, we did have a shutdown. We did. Uh, you know, everything we could within that COVID time to kind of pause events. Obviously, a lot of things came off the calendar. But then we kind of had this resurgence really quickly, I would say. Um, It went from zero to 100 very quickly. So like I mentioned, we did host the Toronto Raptors in there. And then as we brought back the Tampa Bay Lightning team, you know, had fans in the building kind of in different capacity amounts as things got better or worse in our area, um, we kind of kept the ball rolling and then kind of fed in different events that we could in Amelie as well as Yingling Center. Yingling Center hosted a residency for WWE for a little bit with Thunderdome, which was all non-ticketed and non-public, but um, we definitely tried to do as much as possible in that time to you know, host as many things as possible. 
That sounds really interesting with the residency. Was that was that the one where memory serves there was like screens up all around and, yes. and it was almost like a faux audience of yes. sorts? Like I bet that was really unique. Yeah, it was definitely a streaming audience. So you could watch it through a streaming service, I believe. And in the actual bowl, they had uh, digital screens all around so that people could see who the audience was, which was really cool. Wow. How do you how do you split your time with between between the venues? You know, do you actually just mostly housed at one, occasionally visiting the other one? How does that how does that work for your work life? Uh, right now, we are office located at Amelie Arena, and then we go to Yingling Center as needed. So obviously, if it is an event day, we are there um, housed out of there the entire day. On the regular or on the day-to-day -day basis, we do try and have either meetings there or, you know, our events team might pick a day during the week or the month to office out of there if we would like to, just to kind of get a different point of view. But for the most part, we are located in Amelie Arena and we split our time as much as we possibly can. Um, every single event across the board gets the same uh, treatment from the marketing team as well as the events team. Everything is kind of like even keel. We definitely want to make sure that every event has the same attention. I remember that was one of the first things uh, I learned in this business was you have to make every event feel like they're the only event, right? Absolutely. A lot of cross-promoting happening as well. Like we have um, a lot of concourse digital screens at Amelie. So you will see Yingling Center events on that. Um, all the Yingling Center LED rings will have Emily on there. So we do try and yeah. spread the love across both buildings. That's very cool. Yeah. So, you know, what, tell us about your marketing team. Uh, you know, when, you, when you've got all this stuff going on. So who else, who else are you working out there uh, with out there? Give us, give some shout outs. Uh, well, Kelsey Corey actually was just promoted to event marketing manager. So huge shout out mm. for for her. Um, and then we did have Joe Mari on our team, who you guys both know. Um, he actually just moved to our booking side as the manager of booking. So we did lose him. So we will have <laughs> breaking news. We will have a um, coordinator position open here pretty soon. He's on the booking side. He's lost for good. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you know there are some marketing people who always always kind of attracted to the booking side, and it, it uh, which is always interesting to me. Yeah. No, I mean it's something we do um, individual development plans here, and within the individual development plan process, it was something that was um, an interest to him. So we kind of put him up with the right people to have those conversations and. Lo and behold, we needed someone on that side. So he's getting an education there, which hopefully he's very excited about. And then we get to kind of bring in some fresh blood here soon. So it's definitely good things all around. I love that individual development plans. I'm not yeah. sure if I've heard of that at some places. And I love that it's kind of finding the best. It sounds like it's finding the best fit for the employee, not the best fit for the company. Because sometimes Correct. people get shoehorned into roles that maybe they can do but don't love and you're going to get the most out of your employee if they are passionate about something so if they're like oh i work in marketing but i have this eye for booking then you know put them in booking and let them live their best life <laughs> yeah absolutely and we do it in a in a number of ways we're supposed to update it pretty regularly but essentially we 
put together goals that we want to achieve, but then we kind of break it out into like three to six months, six and you know, and kind of break it out throughout the year so that you're hitting certain milestones throughout the entire year versus just when a review happens. So it's right. definitely a very um, unique way of looking at it. Angela, when we, uh, uh, you know, got to talk to you about uh, being on the podcast, there were, you know, a lot of things that I was, I, you know, because I've known you for many years, but that I was, I was curious about, but I didn't know, are you, are you a Florida native? Were you born in Tampa? I was actually not. I was born in Philadelphia, but oh. my, yeah, but my family moved down at a very young age. So I was in second grade when they decided to relocate. Obviously, I had a lot of opinion about that at the time, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> not at all. Um, I came down with family and I never left. Um, I went to school here and then kind of went right into my career here. You occasionally crave a Philly cheesesteak just out of nowhere. Absolutely. I mean, there's only certain Tampa places that get it right. So it's a it's a huge debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that because you you are a self-admitted theater kid. Where, where did that yeah. come from? So I don't know exactly where that came from, but from a very young age, I was always, you know, singing and dancing in the living room, probably making a lot of my family members watch uh, little performances that they did not want to really see. <laughs> um, but I just like fell in love with everything theater musical theater and I was in chorus for a long time and then kind of as I hit high school I started doing theater outside of school as well as in school so it gets it kind of just developed on its own and I was cast in one thing after the other so I did that for probably oh gosh it was probably like 10 so years of just like doing wow. theater after theater and as well as going to school or as well as interning or all of the above. So what are some of your favorite productions you were in? Oh gosh, that's a great question. Um, I was really excited when I was cast in into the woods was a good yeah. one. Um, there's a musical, show. believe it or not, called Urin Town. Like yeah. Urin Town. Yeah. If you don't know it, go look it up. It's actually really good, really funny. I was in that twice. Um, yeah, there's a lot of them though. That was great. Um, your good man Charlie Brown was awesome. So it was just a long list. <laughs> Who were you in that show? Which one? Uh, Charlie Brown. I was Sally. Sally, okay. I was I, I, I kind of get it sometimes get a Lucy vibe. But I wasn't sure if it was a... <laughs> we had a very talented Lucy. She was very, very good. But yeah, I was always the little sister. There you go. Very cool. Do you still kind of scratch that itch in certain ways? Do you go to, you know, touring Broadway shows or, you know? Yeah, I do as much as possible. Um, actually, our resident theater company, so Strad Center or previously the Tampa Bay Performing Arts Center, that's where I got my first job essentially out of college. I was an intern there that then turned into a full-time job there. And I try and go there anytime I possibly can to see anything that's touring. That's awesome. You mentioned college. So you went to the uh, the University of Tampa. I did. When you went to Tampa, what, what, did, what do you think that, what do you think your, uh, your career was going to hold for you? Oh gosh, I honestly had no idea. Um, I think when I was interning at the Strass Center, that's when I really actually 
was told and kind of realized that marketing events was a job and was a career. Um, before that, I kind of wanted to do a little bit of graphic design. I kind of wanted to do a little bit of, you know, like anything that was kind of creating content at that time or kind of being like the Don Draper of the room and like <laughs> kind of putting it all together. But I didn't really know that that was an actual thing. Um, obviously saw influences of it here and there. Um, but really when I went to the Strads is when I kind of figured out that, oh, we can actually do this as a job, which was awesome. You mentioned the Strass Center a couple of times. That's the uh, David A. Strass Center for the Performing Arts, right? What What is that for, for the folks who don't know? That is um, the essentially very large, very huge theater in our area. Um, also in downtown Tampa on the other side, but that houses uh, a number of different theaters um, ranging from like cabaret size theater to a very large hall um, and all the touring Broadway as well as comedy, kids shows, you name it, it, it tours through there. Before you got to the Straz, right, you, you spent a lot of time in, in retail, uh, like uh, uh, working at Fossil, right? How did you know this? You know, I'm a big, I'm a big Fossil fan. I follow them on the gram. I don't, oh I don't my know gosh, how they, yes. they still exist. Dave, Dave does his digging, you know, he has oh his ways. Gosh, yes, I worked at Fossil, um, as well as some other stores in the mall and kind of worked my way up to to being um, a key holder, which was a very big deal at that time um, because I had a key to the store and could actually make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's a, that's a big moment when you're, when you were like, <laughs> Oh wow, I feel like I'm an adult now. Right. They gave me Absolutely. They trust me. Yeah. They trust me with a key. I can <laughs> yeah. go in and out of the store by myself. This is great. What did you learn about from, from working retail that, you know, still works, help keeps you in your, in your job today? Oh gosh, a lot of things. I mean, just kind of striking up conversations with anyone. I mean, you obviously from a guest experience standpoint want to reach a customer or or fix a problem or just engage with someone on a different level. Obviously with people coming in and out of a mall store, you have to kind of get outside of that comfort zone and approach someone that you have no idea what they're gonna tell you for that day. So definitely that. Um, we actually, too, during the pandemic, uh, went back to retail a little bit and kind of operated our Tampa Bay sports store. So I definitely mm. got a, another look at retail uh, quite a few years ago. So it was always fun. So and then you also had an internship way going way back to, uh, with Tampa Bay with, with the Lightning, right, as a, a corporate communications intern? Yes. How do you know this? <laughs> Oh my goodness. We know people. Yes, yes, I did. Um, I started, when I was in college, um, I actually had a, a great professor who kind of said one day, Oh, you know, internships, you're supposed to have X amount by now. You guys are seniors. And um, I had zero. So I quickly <laughs> tried to find an internship. And yeah, I, I was an intern with the Tampa Bay Lightning in corporate communications for like a semester. And then right after that, I graduated and then went to the Stras. Now, there's one thing that I'm curious about that I uh, uh, was definitely interested uh, in learning about was you spent a little bit of time as a production assistant uh, uh, with yeah. the, the Daily Show, John Stewart. So this was something kind of unique with the with the RNC visit back in 2012. 
Yes, um, that actually came through the Stras. So there was a number of locations in Tampa at the time that had something to do with the, the RNC. So while um, it was being actually utilizing the forum at the time, um, which is obviously now Amelie Arena, we actually at the Strads had tapings of the Daily Show. So John Stewart, his whole production team came down, built a stage on a stage that we had in a smaller theater and pretty much put together the entire production. So when I was there, um, they actually did a PA call um, and I asked, you know, powers that be at the Strads if I could apply and they said they that I could. It wouldn't conflict with anything. So I applied and I got it and pretty much drove around people from picking them up at the airport or their hotel to bringing them to the Stras or, you know, bringing them back home or running food errands, whatever I could do. Um, after my day at the Stras, I would go into that mode and, and come home pretty late at night, but it was, it was definitely worth it. That sounds like a really unique experience and probably gave you a really great appreciation for showrunners. Oh, um, seeing how they have to run around all the time to get <laughs> who knows what. To this day, I have Ken Drive a 15 pass van on my resume. Just in case <laughs> yeah. people need to know that. Um, it was a very scary experience at the time, but now I'm like, all right, you can check that off the list. <laughs> <laughs> so those little things, right? They, that those are those. You never know the small task that actually leads to something that uh, becomes like just a, a great talking point on your resume and your in your career. Oh, but, absolutely. So you know you're you're at the Stras for you know about four years, and then tell us about uh, from there you go to the Tampa Bay Sports uh, or Tampa Bay Times Forum. Mm -hmm. So right after that, I came back to the forum, um, which then quickly had a name change back to Amelie Arena. So it was a, we've had maybe three or four naming since I've kind of been in the industry, if you will. Um, but I came back here um, as a senior coordinator for event marketing. Um, and essentially it was just kind of going from that theater setup to the arena setup, which was a little bit different. Um, and yeah, it was really great and fortunate to get that growth at that time. It's something um, I think I was definitely seeking, um, but I learned so many great things from my time at the Stras to kind of put me into the position I am in today. So let me let me see if I can guess all the names correctly. Oh it started as the Ice Palace, right? Yeah. And then it went to the St. Pete Times Forum. Yeah. But then St. Pete was named after the newspaper, correct? St. Yeah. Pete Times. And that changed to the Tampa Bay Times. Yeah. So then you all had to change the name again to the Tampa Bay Times Forum. And then you got the naming rights of Amelie, and it was Amelie Arena. Boom. You just nailed it. You know, boom. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done, Hoops. I know, I know a little about uh, you know, Tampa. I've I've been once. I went down for uh Marvel Universe live preview yeah. and uh saw saw the building. I almost got lost, actually not almost, I 100 percent got lost in the arena, partly because I was there for this gathering of marketers and we I think I'm trying to remember, we saw the show like on a whatever Saturday night or something, and then Sunday we had this little meeting and it was all like the Southeast marketers and Afterward, everyone was leaving to go like catch their flights. And I get on this uh, elevator with um, one of the Felds 
and a couple other people. And I assumed they were going to the lobby and they were not. They went down to the event level and I was like, oh, I need to go to the lobby. They're like, oh, yeah, you can just walk out this way. So I was down on your all's event level, wandering around with the Felds and had no idea where I was going. And then they're like, oh, we're going to go over into costuming. And then shortly I found myself on the event level with no one. <laughs> and I was like, if I keep walking in a circle, I'll find security and I, will, I can head out. So I like walked out the loading dock and then what, it was it was funny, but oh, it's a beautiful man. venue. I really loved it. I remember the big lightning bolts in the lobby, right? Or not in the lobby, the, the plaza had the big the plaza area. lightning bolt structure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you definitely need to come back. I'd love to. It was great. Yeah, it's on my on my on my list of places that I think uh, would be great to host a future uh, EAMC conference for sure. So I always always throw that one out there. I may or may not have talked to some people to do just <laughs> especially when Water Street Tampa is close knock on wood to finished or or in those yeah. final stages it would be great to host an EAMC here tell me about you know tell me about Champa Bay right because you know Tampa Bay was not really considered a you know a giant sports town but boy things, yeah. things over the past few years what has that been like to host championship after championship after championship it's been exciting I mean yes there are a lot of people that probably say, you know, Tampa's not a hockey town, but definitely come to a game and we will show you differently because there are a lot of great fans here um, that we host in the building and, and just there's a different energy. I mean, our game presentation team kills it game by game. Um, there's a lot of talented folks that are behind the scenes just cranking things out on the regular to, to be like these great production things. And then our guest experience team also is top notch. So we definitely host a lot of uh, a great, great many blue fans. So we love it. Talk to us about the the Raptors, because you mentioned that at the beginning. And and, and this was a, for people who aren't familiar. This was a very unique situation. Yes, it was. Um, so very long story, probably short. But um, during the pandemic, um, there was a lot of, you know, lockdown, obviously, and and Canada could not do certain things that the U.S. could do at that time. So Kevin Priest, who is our chief booking, essentially, but he's the um, chief venue officer here. He um, struck a deal with the Toronto Raptors to kind of come down, play their season in Amelie Arena and kind of essentially like cross the border and host here so that we could then have something in the building, but then they could actually play a, a season together. It, it was a lot of complications, I'm sure, but essentially um, we had the team down here. We we brought everything of theirs from courts to seats to seat banners, because that was a huge wow. thing at the time. We, we put together pod seating, marketing, everything, and worked really closely with their team to bring fans essentially to their games here, um, which was a lot of fun. Their their team is fabulous to work with. And we all hopefully had a really great time. It was just very different. It, instead of seeing a lot of blue in the building, we saw a lot of red. So I saw some photos of the bowl and it was wild. I mean, it looked, of course, the arenas are different and it, right. you know, it's not the same as like Scotiabank Arena, but it it had this feeling that was really incredible that it felt like a Raptors home court. Yeah. What was that like kind of flipping the visuals and seeing 
seeing the arena bowl not only in a in a very different color but just with branding that you know was for an nba team that you know a month earlier you didn't even know you were going to host <laughs> it was crazy because we also obviously don't host nba like at all so um just to kind of have a court here on a regular basis seeing the red seeing the black kind of seeing our back of house take a new shape as well because we did brand certain areas um raptors branding instead of lightning branding or just you know plain walls became you know raptor walls and things like that i mean there is a lot of touch points throughout that were just really different but really fun to see being re-energized because obviously at the time we didn't have a lot going on and we didn't have fans in certain areas so just to kind of see that come to life was was really crazy but really fun to see did drake make it down for a game i don't think he did he missed out wow. he missed clearly out. not a big fan <laughs> did you did you get one of those uh knockoff tampa bay raptors jerseys that i saw on the on the internet i thought those were incredible looking no, um, I didn't get one of those, but I did get like a Tampa Bay Raptor. It's like a black t-shirt with the with the Raptor on it, but it had like palm trees. So it wasn't oh, that cool. knockoff like Jersey one that you saw, but it was like an iteration, I guess, of all of the merch that. That's they awesome. So it was really cool. That's awesome. What a, what a cool experience to to go through. Hey, let, let's talk personal life for just a minute. Sure. Uh, first of all, you are a, a great follow on social. Uh, and mm -hmm. you've, got, you've got this thing you like to do where you post <laughs> pictures of your shoes, but in a unique <laughs> setting, right? Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know where that started or, or how that came about, but I don't know. It just became a thing where if I was in a cool setting or a different setting um i would take a foot picture which kind of sounds really wrong and it's not feet fix. it's not but feet it's fix. not it's not what you're thinking but it's um <laughs> definitely um a lot of confetti in there or different uh, floor stickers we do for artists things like that it, it just became a thing and now here we are i don't know i can't explain it and do you, do you still consider yourself a a newlywed um Yes and no. I mean, it's been a few years now. Uh, we're celebrating seven years this year. Is it seven years already? Yes. It's crazy. I know. Time flies when you're having fun. But I mean, I I don't know. He's just my best friend. So tell us about him. Tell us how you met him. Uh oh. Um, actually met him when I was interning with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Really? Yeah. So, um, like you said, uh oh. <laughs> you're, no, um, you're ratting yourself out. I am. No, he actually was in marketing at the time, and I came in as an intern, and um, he actually interviewed me for an internship. But you I drop his name, Bobby, right? It is. It's Bobby. <laughs> um, essentially, what happened was he interviewed me for an internship. But then interns actually went from him running them to someone else in the organization running them. So then I had another interview with someone else. They hired me. I came in. And then obviously we formed a friendship from there. So yeah, that's that's it. That's how we met. It was a beautiful day and beautiful moment. <laughs> <laughs>
And you're also a very proud dog mom. I am. Um, we adopted a greyhound, um, essentially in Florida, but obviously other places. They used to race greyhounds locally, um, and then a law was passed. You aren't allowed to do it anymore, so a lot of dog tracks actually closed here locally, and so all of these dogs needed to get adopted. We went to an adoption um, event um, over COVID or at the tail end of COVID a little bit, and we adopted her. So she just turned four, and we love her to death. And I know you do uh, you do a lot of volunteering. Uh, tell us about, uh, you know, your time with, uh, you know, their Tampa Bay volunteering or, or the Junior League of Tampa. Uh, yeah, we actually in the organization um, do a lot of volunteer work. Um, so essentially from top to bottom, we are required to go out in the community and volunteer 40 hours a year. Um, but not only that, uh, I am in the Junior League of Tampa, which is a great organization of all women um, and we do a lot in the community for leadership women as well as kids literacy and all the things so definitely try to go volunteer as much as possible um, tell us about tell us about martinis for is it martinis for moffitt yes um that's actually a local um event that's hosted every year i was actually helping them do pr but that was like way long time ago i'm not involved as much anymore but it's been a good it was a great event that helped uh raise money for cancer research which yeah. i think was very cool and I, I love that you you take the time to volunteer and and, and do that kind of stuff because we all get so busy that sometimes we forget that we can take some of our marketing skills to help other people absolutely yeah. and what's great is um the, the junior league specifically you can kind of pick your route, if you will. Um, every year they do a placement and you can do as little as much as possible, but within that placement, you can do things that you do typically do on a day-to-day. -day. So I can do marketing, advertising, PR, social, any of that stuff, or I can completely go the opposite route and be more in a project. So you kind of get to pick exactly what you want to do. So it's really nice. One thing I want to get a plug in for is you just recently launched a book club for okay. the event arena marketing conference. And it's very much in its infancy in that it's, I think like the third week or something. And, and, uh, reading the book that the keynote from this last year's conference wrote but uh you know do you want to talk about that plug it get people to sign up for it sure. uh, what kind of made you want to do that is that something you've participated in are you a big reader i am a huge reader um i read a lot of just anything um a lot of mystery a lot of romance a lot of just ya a lot of anything really and um we here in the art organization do book clubs every once in a while um where someone you know picks a book and hosts um just a gathering like a once a week um you are supposed to read a section of the book and then you meet up talk about it and continue so when we were at EAMC and we had the keynote speak and I learned that he had a book, I was like, ah, this is a perfect opportunity to read a book and maybe get some people um, in a room or in a Zoom, you know, um, <laughs> and basically kind of just like chit chat with people. Um, obviously, we all do a lot of great things for a living. But, you know, when you kind of 
read a book together and kind of hear everybody's different perspective on that same read. It's really kind of nice to kind of hear people's different um, perspectives and things that they take out of it. Like, you know, something that I take is going to be completely different from what Paul takes or Dave takes. So kind of threw it out there as just a, hey, what do you guys think about doing a book club? And they said, great go ahead and run with it. I was like, oh, okay. So here I am hosting um, a Zoom every week um, to a few people that wanted to read the book. And it's definitely a great read so far if you want to read it on your own. Um, it's a very easy read, um, short chapters really to the point. And he has great stories to tell. So it's just really nice to read something different once in a while. And that's Red Shoes Living, right? It's the yes. book with uh, Lonnie Mayne. Yeah. If people are interested in joining it, should they just email you or? Yeah, definitely email me or find me on social and let me know you want to be a part of it. We, as Paul said, we probably have been in maybe a three weeks so far, but there's still some book to go. And I don't know if there's definitely other books that people want to read. We can continue it, um, which would be really cool. So Angela, go ahead and drop that, drop that Insta handle for people to find you. Oh, gosh. Uh, Instagram is Mrs. underscore A underscore Lanza. There you go. All right. And like I said, it's a good, good follow there. Hey, I uh, want to hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions. Just okay. looking for your instant response. <laughs> first up, what was your very first concert? Britney Spears. How about your favorite concert? Oh, um, I'll go ahead and say Ed Sheeran. How about this? Is a tough one for you. Your favorite pair of shoes? Oh, man. Probably the ones I wore at my wedding. Oh, good answer. All right. What's one theater role you'd like to play today? Oh, Belle in Beauty and the Beast. Hands down. Very nice. And last question. What is your, what's your theme song? There's the Angela Lanza show where cameras follow you all around. Uh, what is the uh, song that plays over the opening credits to the Angela show? You know, I knew this question was coming and... <laughs> I thought I would have a really cool answer, but I don't think I do. Um, it would probably be Saturday night from Panic at the Disco. There you go. Very cool. Nice. Good Very time. nice. All right. Well, hey, I really appreciate the time. Of course. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Any uh, any of their websites, social, uh, anything else that we can send people to? No. I mean, if you have any desire to look at AmelieArena.com or YinglingCenter.com, see what we're up to, um, or you know, have anything that you want to chat about, Find me on social. Just that easy. Angela, <laughs> really appreciate the time today. Great to get to know you a little bit better. Thanks, you too. Who knew you were a Philly girl? There you go. Oh, man. I'm probably the nicest Philadelphian a lot of people ever meet. <laughs> it's a city of Shots fire. Love, though, not, right? not a good thing to say on the podcast. <laughs> Hey, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. I'm about to go grab a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference, a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner.
Design and Digital Advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and Publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest Booking and Brand Strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest Research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.